0: guys, welcome to She Knows Arsenal. My name is Jessica and I'm your host and you can follow me on Twitter at It's Justineo. On today's show, what I'm going to do is kind of update my, you know, I guess you want to say potential 2021-2022 um, squad based on kind of like new information that we have now when we first did our transfer shows at the beginning of the or at the very end of the season. That was before we kind of knew about Xhaka leaving, before we heard the, you know, who we were actually interested in. So I want to do a little bit of an update based on new transfers that are tra- new transfer targets and kind of throw some more sensible targets in there. Um, not really, I don't want to really call them sensible. I would just say maybe gettable, attainable type of of signings that we could, um, could do and how we can improve. I really do believe that even with not buying like Hakimi's and and, you know, players like that, we can still improve the squad, you know? So I really do believe that. So that's what we're going to talk about it just some more sensible signings, if that's what you want to call them. Every single time, you guys, I swear. Hold on. So every time I try to do a stream with you guys, the phone rings and it's the most annoying thing. It happens like as soon as I say go, it's so annoying. But, um, Yeah, so we'll go over and we have some new targets. Yesterday was a a slow news day. And then today, like a lot of different targets were brought out. So we'll talk about those. And I'll show you what my lineup kind of would look like. And we'll talk about, you know, do we actually think we're going to move from four, two, three, one to a four, three, three, there's a lot of conversations around that. And um, we'll kind of talk about that based on who we're linked with, you know, because kind of the players that you have kind of dictate the formation that you'll have. So um, we'll talk about all those things. But there's about 34 of you guys watching right now. Thank you so much for being here. Like the video and subscribe to the channel. And let me know in the chat box how you're feeling. If um, you know, if you're feeling the targets or you're not, let me know and all that kind of stuff. So let's see, what do we want to start out with? So let me see, going through my notes real quick. So attacking midfield is to me a very it's a strange situation because the the players that we're linked with that could potentially play in that position are so different <laughs> they're so so different so I'm trying to to read between the lines and you know take into consideration profile and, and price and all that kind of stuff to make us uh, educated guess on what we're trying to do and we've known for a while that Odegaard is our our number one target whatever that means but we were over the weekend linked with Emmy Bodia deal didn't get done you know things like that. We've also found out that although we may be interested in a law, um, we're not his first choice and he's not our first choice, which is perfectly fine, you know, so that kind of changes things around. And I know that, you know, when we start talking about tens and attacking midfielders, it can get a little bit confusing because they're they're different. But I think what Arsenal really need is, is a player in that position that really fits with Saka and the Millsmith row in particular, but can also play as a part of, you know, different positions behind the striker, but even potentially in a midfield three, I think that would be best for us because I think we're going to be flexible next season. I don't think we'll be specifically a four, two, three, one team or a four, three, three team. I think we'll be something of a flexible version of that. So whatever we play, whatever player we bring in can't be too, rigid or inflexible because then it's not really worth having them. So something to take note of is when we, when Odegaard was, was here with us, he played really well as a 10, everything kind of flowed through him and he was good in that 10 position. But when he had to play as more of an eight, it was a little bit less. He was a little bit less. He was more on the periphery of games. And so he didn't really to me, suit that position because when you play as an eight, you're a little bit more box-to-box, you have a little bit more responsibility. And he just strikes me as so Ozalesque in the way that he can only really play 10. And if not that, he has to play on the wing because he's almost a liability in midfield for you. So that's something to keep in mind. Now, we've been linked with Bandia, that didn't go through. Linked with Awa, that doesn't seem likely. Um, we're also linked with DePaul. I don't know a lot about him. We'll probably have a show or something about him if the links become more you know, solidified. But somebody else that we've been linked with in that position is Julian Brent. And I've been mentioning him a couple of times on the show and I know you guys are not feeling him. Um, I'm not really sure why, to be honest, because, I mean, we have to have a conversation about, how quickly we dismiss players because they haven't had a good season. I mean, if that were the case, then Thomas Party would be a horrible player. And we know he's not. He just had a difficult season. Kai Havertz at Chelsea came in, had a difficult season, a difficult transition. And so for me, when I look at players, I look at profile and then kind of look at temperaments and things like that. How have they performed? And then you kind of look at outside factors that may have contributed to maybe a, a less productive season. Let's just call it that. Let's call it what it is. Right. So being somebody that's watched a lot of Dortmund and seen him leave Bayer Leverkusen to come to Dortmund and his first year there, he was pretty successful, but the second year, especially when they started to add players in like Gio Reyna it and and Jude Bellingham his role within the team became a little bit more peripheral and I think that was more due to just Lucien Favre favoring those players a little bit more and less to do with his talent level because Julian Brandt is a very very talented player he really really is and so for me I'm, I'm I don't really want to say that players are bad because maybe it's not a good fit. Maybe the environment is not right. You know, if you don't play regularly, it's hard to make such a big, you know, when you don't play regularly, when you get a chance to play, sometimes you're a little bit rusty and you're not in the groove. And so I think that's pretty much what's happened with Julian, but he's still somebody that makes the German national team. He's still a really good player. I just, if we're linked with him and we're able to get him for a good price, I think he's somebody to look at, you know, especially when we know that Odegaard is not leaving Real Madrid for anything less than 40 million. Like that's the reality. We're not going to be able to get him on a loan or anything like that. So, you know, we, we even do this with like Aubameyang, one bad season. And I've had issues with bombing that have stemmed prior to this this bad season it's been more about how I feel his attitude is and and because he played at Dortmund I have kind of like some some feelings about more his attitude than the talent level but one bad season and you're the worst player that ever played you know Awa didn't have like as much of a hype level season I mean let's just call it let's call it what it is right Awa had a really good game against Manchester City, and we also we got a chance to see him because he was playing against Manchester City, and then we deemed him the best thing since life bread. He didn't have any games like that over this last season. Hype dies down, and then so that means he's not as good of a player, which isn't actually true. Is the profile right? Is the price right? Do we think that a new environment would help him thrive? Yes, I do. So that's how I feel about Julian Brandt. So, how does he fit into our team? How would he fit into our team, right? He's, he's a player who, you know, can play so many different positions and play them well. And that's something that's really important in Arteta's system. We've talked about that with George. He has <laughs> eloquently described an Arteta player to me multiple times. And so what he said is that you have to be flexible and play in multiple positions. And I think that's why Saka does so well for Arteta. So he can play central midfield, somebody that can play not really in a pivot. But if we're talking about a midfield three and you're, you know, not the box to box type guy, not really the defensive center midfielder, but that other guy that adds balance going forward. He's that guy. He can also play as an attacking midfielder, which he can play in the 10 role. And he can also play off of the left wing when he played for Bayer Leverkusen, he played almost like a left winger, which for me is a position that needs to be addressed. You know, I think whoever we bring in for that 10 role, I would prefer them not to play central right. I would prefer them to play central left because I think our right-hand side is very congested. And when you have two left footers there that consistently want to kind of tuck in, then I think you have too many crowded bodies in that position. You know what I mean? So we have Saka there, that's left-footed, and Pepe there, that's left-footed. They both want to kind of cut in. If we could find somebody who's right-footed that can play on the left or play central, I think that would be better because that's not really a nailed-down spot at the at the moment, right? So you can play off of the left wing as well, and um, it would it would pretty much take you know twenty-five million or so to bring him in, which is almost half of what it would take to bring in Odegaard. He's twenty-five years old, again, German national. And, um, that's a good price for somebody who just, I think needs a change of scenery. I think he needs a change of scenery. I think he needs to feel loved and appreciated. And when you're a part of a team that has like eight midfielders and they're all really good and you get lost in the shuffle, sometimes it can look like you're not a good player, but you actually are. So if you go back to, you know, let's, let's just look at a couple of seasons where he played, um, so the season before last, so in the 2019-2020 season, he he in all competitions had seven goals and 13 and 13 assists. And um, and that was in 42 appearances. So that's not bad. That's not, you know, anything. It's not Kevin De Bruyne levels, but it's definitely something that if we added, you know, seven goals and 13 assists to our team, you know, we'd be a much better team. And then he struggled in 2021, which we know. Um, he didn't actually play that much, um, with the, the shifted manager and all that kind of stuff. He had three goals and two assists, four goals and two assists in all competitions. So for me, I know that it's not, oh my gosh, this guy's so great, but I just don't like getting too caught up in hype. I think profile is more important. Have they done it at a high level? Yes, he has. The Bundesliga is, um, one of the top five leagues. He's done it for Germany. Like. This is a top level player we're talking about. He he walks into the Arsenal team. Like, you know what I mean? So I think this is a player that we are linked with and that if he came to Arsenal, I think would be a good addition to the group that we already have. He's not too young. He's 25 years old, which is that perfect age of 23 to 25. We really need to fill our some some positions with this age group. We have too many young players and too many old players. So. For me, this is a good alternative to Odegaard. I'd actually prefer him to Odegaard because he can play in more positions than Odegaard can. And of course, he'd be cheaper. You know, So let me see what you guys are saying. I know I was talking for a long time. Um, Arsenal, Los Angeles with the, the wavy. Thank you so much. Um, Michael Venezuela says, I'd love to get Brandt. Haji says that map on the wall may be your secret agent. (laughs) Dublin Gunnar says "Um, you and Tom Canton need to cross over Brent debate. You're on opposite sides. Would be interesting to see you thrash one out. Sean says I'd like just like in relationships. It just sometimes just don't fit. Um, Arsenal Los Angeles said, what is Brent's value now? 22 million. So 25 would probably get it done. Um, And for me, I I kind of like this, you know, when players are really hyped, you have to pay more, you know, and that doesn't necessarily mean that they're when they cost less, they're not as good. Like, you know what I mean? Like we paid 75 million for, for Nicola Pepe because he was hyped and we were stupid and now look, you know what I mean? He was never $72 million worth. You know what I mean? Um, Najubilo says Marcel Sabitzer would make so much more sense. Um, For me, it doesn't because, in three years or two, three years, he will be almost 30 or probably 30 years old. And although he would cost about 15 million, I just, I think we need a different profile. I think I like the player, but I just feel like for the rebuild, we need players that in the next two to three years, once they get into their, like, they need to be getting their prime, not at the end of their rope. Like, you know what I mean? So I like Sabitzer, but like, the fact that we're not linked with him at all, like, lets me know that that's not even somebody we should be looking at. I mean, we like a cheap deal. He's 15 million. We're not even linked. Plus, I think um, Roma's looking at him, to be honest. He he strikes me more as a Jose Mourinho-type player, to be honest, you know. Let's see. Um Yes, we talked about Manor Solomon the other day, um, drives forward only 17 million. We've been linked with him at the same time. A lot of people were not interested in that, but for me, I think we need to look at players that are outside of the box. I don't think we need to be, you know, I think we need to find players that can be coached up and fit the system. And I think he would do that at a cheaper price. Um, but a lot of people weren't feeling him to be honest. Um, Jack said the only one who seems to be someone who could do that number 10 left-wing role for us would be Smith Rowe. Um, I mean, Brant could also do that. He's, I mean, that's pretty much they're a very similar profile. He can play with Smith Rowe or without him. And I think that that's important. I don't think Odegaard really doubles for Smith Rowe very well, to be honest. I think because Odegaard can only really play in the 10 role or play on the, on the right, he doesn't really double for Smith Rowe very well. But Brant can play off of the left, so you can play him on the left, play Smith row through the middle, vice versa, and um, yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. Um, let's see. Theo says Christopher and Kunku. I would also take in Kunku. We just have never been linked with him, and I feel like it would be more. I think he would cost more. I feel like we would have to be closer to forty to get him out of Leipzig for some reason I feel like he would be more expensive but you guys know I rate Christopher Nkunku so high he can he can do the exact same thing he plays off of the left can play like a 10 slash winger um he'd be perfect in that role we just never really been linked with him but we've been linked with Brandt because he's he's somebody that he's been transfer listed by by Dortmund. let's see um let's see Io says Pepe, Bellerin holding the first team, 25 to 26 year olds. I mean, that just says it all right there is that Bellerin will probably be out the door and holding is not really somebody that we should be relying on. We don't have all the better teams, like most of the, the better teams have players that are in that range or their players are in their prime and they're about 30 years old, but they're kicking butt. Like, you know what I mean? Our 30 year olds are kicking dust, like, you know, they're, they're not good, you know, they're not, they're not performing to the level. So if we're talking about a two to three year window, or a two to three year project, When you buy players at 23 years old, they'll be hitting their prime when we're when we built the team, when the foundation is done, when we're ready to go. Whereas if you get somebody like like a Thomas, who who I love, you know, I love him or a Sabitzer who's 27 years old. When we get to that third year, they will be 30. So we'll be looking to replace them already. And I think you want to get more from your prime age players. You know what I mean? Um GK says, is it sensible though with signing spending on a stop gap, then holding out maybe till January next summer to identify that right criteria of player? Not when you have um what is it sensible with spending on a stop gap? I mean, I don't, I don't if you're saying Brandt is a stop gap, I don't think that would necessarily be true. Um, but the thing is, is that we can't leave Smith Row in that 10 position alone you know um, but we also have to be smart you know if we were thinking about getting somebody more like a stopgap just to help Smith Rowe along it can't be somebody like William who we thought could do it but actually can't so Smith ended up having to do it anyway so I think what would be better is to get somebody that could either play with or without Smith Rowe and there are several players that you can bring in to do that it's just I feel like we're not because they're not perfect or it's not it doesn't there's not as much hype around some of the players. I feel like we're just a little bit, you know, reluctant, but I think he would fit in, you know, perfectly. And Dortmund players play very similarly to Arsenal players of old. They're very technically gifted. They usually can play really nice free-flowing attacking football, which is what we're looking for. So I don't know why people are so against it. Um GK says plus the money club, plus this club and money I just don't trust when it comes to funding signings. Um, Usopp says, "Yes, I think it's because of our recent history of getting players from Germany. I mean, getting Mustafi and getting Xhaka is nothing like getting Julian Brandt. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> they're not similar. Like, I get what you're saying. But there are quality players in the Bundesliga. We just have not been able to identify them. And the main issue when you when you recruit players, you have to make sure that you have the right players around them we never surrounded Jacka with players that could allow him to be decent for us, you know? So as long as you have the right players around them and they fit the right profile, it's, it's not really where they come from. It's about profile, like 100% about profile. Do they fit in the system? And um, we didn't even know what system we were playing when we brought in Jacka and Mustafi was just Mustafi, you know? Um, Colin says money should be spent on a proper manager and money for the new owner would be exciting um i don't think we're getting a new owner jack says i think i think if we had brant Smithrow, saka as the three behind our striker would be handy could all interchange well and could and could brant could drop into midfield three if needed exactly he could he's he would never be a part of a pivot but in a midfield three he could be like that third one on the left hand side um and i think it would be a good fit you know you find a cdm you put Thomas on the right hand side, you put Brant on the left hand side, and it just works. Um, and he doesn't block anybody's path immediately because he can play with or without Smith Rowe. So I think it's a good, sensible signing that makes sense because of the price and the profile and the system and all that kind of stuff. But from a hype perspective, I know it doesn't really like, you know, it doesn't get you off your seat. But the guy needs a change of environment, even in Cuckoo, to a certain extent, needs another environment because he's not making the French national team and he probably should be in and around it. And he doesn't play that often for Nigelsman, you know, so maybe even he would be a sensible option. I just think he would cost more, to be honest. Yeah. Um, Dublin Gunner says, we probably differ on this because I have a fondness for the artist number 10, and I feel Odegaard is one of those, so I'd love to see him come back. This is a really good point, and I want to say that this point is extremely valid, that when I'm talking, I'm speaking from Jessica's perspective, like you know what I mean, and so we all envision this team looking different in the next year or so, so if you like the, the Ozil-like number 10, then of course you'd probably be more... Um, you'd like Odegaard a little bit more. I tend to like more than one creative player behind the, you know, the striker that can interchange and switch positions and actually prefer, prefer a four, three, three anyway. Like that's just what I prefer. And so I think he would fit in better with that. But if you love the creator, the the artist type, I understand the Odegaard thing. And to be honest, I don't think that bringing an Odegaard, it would be the, the last, like the, the worst thing in the world, because I do still think he would improve us. I just, this is just a preference thing. Um, David Louise was over 30 as well. And he was a part of the team, but yeah, those are the the over thirties right now. We've really gotten rid of a lot of them. Robert says, I wonder if Arsenal, if Arsenal be on the trajectory at all with the jet skiing owners and board. Um, let's see. Yeah. See Walder preferably on a permanent. I mean, if we're talking about Odegaard, you know, on a permanent, that would be better. I I don't like when we rely on loan players, you know what I mean? You know, so I think it would be better if it was a permanent signing. And if we could only get Odegaard on a loan versus getting Julian Brandt on a permanent, I would prefer to get a permanent so that we can just kind of move on the loan player thing is just it's just a little bit too much. Now, a loan with an obligation to buy is something I'd be open to if we can push that payment to the next season. You know, that that would be perfect. You know what I mean? So but that's that's my first one. That's my first one. So we talked about Julian Brandt. We talked about not saying players are dead after one bad season. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm guilty of it as well. You know, so the second player is somebody that we we're linked to this morning, and that's Tyler Adams, um, Tyler Adams, um, USA International, plays for RB Leipzig, was a part of the RB Leipzig group, went all the way from Red Bull New York to, you know, did the whole thing like he went through the program. And so um, I like him. I like him a lot as a player. Obviously, being American, you watch Tyler Adams playing, you just think like it would be nice to have an American player on the team. It's just a selfish thing. But from a profile perspective, I think that he fits the mold in terms of being able to play in a flexible Arteta system, being able to play multiple positions, and he can also cover at right back. He's a CDM like by trade, but he can also – do not, and not even just do a job at right back. He can be a decent right back. Like, you know what I mean? There's people that can do a job like Jacka can do a job at left back. He can actually play right back. Right. So he can do that for us. He can fill in at right back as well as play CDM. And from a profile perspective, he comps very similarly to Conte. He doesn't have the same numbers, obviously, because he hasn't played the same amount of games and in the volume, but in terms of the profile and the way that he plays, the way that he snuffs out danger, the way that, you know, how Conte has that knack of doing Conte things. He does that very similarly, just not as high of a level, obviously, because Conte is elite world-class and Tyler Adams is just getting his feet wet. But from a comp perspective, if you're like what kind of player he is, he's an Angolo Conte type. So he's going to snuff out danger. He tackles a lot and um, he's young and athletic and hungry. He also has leadership abilities. So if that's something that you care about, he's, he's a good leader. And um, yeah, so I, I like how he profiles. Um, he's 21 years old, 21, 22 years old. Let me pull up his. Um, so I give you guys the right information. Let's see. He's 22 years old. So he turned 22 in February. Yep. Defensive center midfielder. He's so for this season, he was in the starting 11 about 62% of the time. So, one thing that has come up is his injury record, right? So, once we were linked with him this morning, it was like excitement overload. And then people were coming in saying that he can't stay fit. So, that's something that we do need to look at, right? I think for Arsenal, we've been um, very unlucky. That's what I'll call it with injuries. So I don't want to like, you know, just throw it away and just be like, it's okay to bring in a player that could potentially be injury prone, but I'm very careful about saying people are injury prone before they actually are. Right. So he's had, I think the key injuries here that we're looking at is the abductor problems. And so he's had muscle like tissue injuries, which are not a good sign, you know, because when you have those, they tend to come back quite often. And I think what RB Leipzig did over the last season was they, they didn't play him very often. Like he, he wasn't actually out for that often. Like he wasn't that injured this season. Like he had back trouble for about a month and then he had a one day you know, issue. But other than that, he was available, but he was used very sparingly. And I think that was because they knew that they needed to ease him, ease him back in. So he has had a couple of muscle, you know, injuries and tissue injuries, which is not good. Like that is something that you can't ignore, but it's something that could be overcome if your medical team is able to work with players that have injuries. Because I think, with Arsenal fans were so sensitive to injury issues because so many of our really good players or players that we had big hopes and dreams for their careers were ravaged by injury, but players get injuries like high running sports, like, like play like games or, or sports like soccer and, and football, whatever you get muscle injuries like that's not uncommon. It's how you deal with them. And if you can make sure that you don't allow them to continue or you manage the player correctly, you can sustain and it's going to be okay. I think our issue is that we never did the right thing with players like Jack and stuff like that. So I understand why we're really sensitive to it and why if we see a player has had a couple of injuries, we're like, no, we don't want him. Um, But personally, I think, with a player like this that can fill in in multiple positions has really good upside. And if we use him properly can be really um, useful for our team for 20 million is somebody that I would take a punt on because I just think this kid is going to be really good. And we'll be sad when Liverpool gets him or another team gets him and we're like, why couldn't we just deal with the injury? You know, why couldn't we just make sure that he, you know, was rotated properly and and treated properly, you know, so, I think, and even with a team like Arsenal, I think we heavily rely on certain players and we've never been good at rotating them properly. So, you know, coming into a team like ours where we know we're going to probably be bringing in a starting central midfielder and another one as well, um, I don't think we have to really worry about him getting overused, which has always been the issue with Arsenal players. Like, we've definitely overused Jack and and Ramsey and these players. We didn't take care of them. So, Yeah. But so for me, it's not that big of a deal if we know how to deal with it. And trust me, if we're looking at this player and we're serious about him, we've seen the injury record. And if we don't think we can deal with it, we won't bring him in. Like, you know what I mean? So I I like the player. I like how he profiles. It did, you know, just a couple of minutes ago, I did see something about where he said he was okay at Leipzig because Jesse Marsh is going to be there. Um, At the same time, money money talks. And if we were to offer him a really good package and – he was ready for it. I think we could bring him in, but, you know, we would have to put the money on the table for sure, you know? Um, but I think about 20 million would get it done, you know? So let's see what you guys are thinking about Tyler Adams. Let's see. Um, Hold on, I'm trying to find your guys's comments on Tyler Adams real quick, but there's like so many other things happening. <laughs> uh, um, Colin says Arsenal fans are quick to pass judgment too. Party is an example of that. They say he was awful this season. He was fighting a tough injury, still led us in tackles in the games that he played. Exactly, I agree with that. Um, Ile says I'm. I not only believe it, I pray for it. I don't know what you guys are talking to each other. What are you guys' thoughts on Tyler Adams? <laughs> you guys are having your own like conversations here. Um, Jared is saying he know, or Jared Hino says, do you think that Tyler Adams' muscle problems were more of a Leipzig thing specifically? ASR had a similar issue come up while there. Yeah, I mean, they overused him when he was younger. I don't think it was. I don't think it was a Leipzig issue. I think it was before, like when he was at. Red Bull, you know, cause he was used very, as a very young kid, like he's been um, like in the fold since he was like 16. So I do think that maybe they just overplayed him, gave him too much responsibility. You know what I mean? So, but yeah. So I like this player and this is somebody that I would like to, I would, I would be very excited if he came in, to be honest, not as the main center midfielder that we need to bring in, but as the the next one because for me that's very useful to have somebody that can also play right back. I don't think we should start him at right back but to have somebody that can play there as well would give us much needed cover that we really need. And um yeah, so I really like him as well. And again I said about 20-25 million might be able to get it done. And then so we want to talk about somebody like Lacanga as well. So for that second midfielder, we've been linked with Lacanga and he would you know, they, they said that it was, you know, Tyrion Henry called up Arteta, and I don't really believe any of that stuff. I think it probably um, came up with the recruitment and the scouting, right? And um, he's another really good player. I think that's kind of like under the radar that we could bring in for like $15 million or something like that, and he can um, be eased in and play rotated, you know, with the other midfielders that we have. He has a nice athletic profile. He's somebody that to me comps similarly to Kamavinga, less, less Eves Basuma, more Kamavinga. like, you know, so he can play CDM, but he has more of that well-roundedness to his game, which is important because I think well-roundedness is going to be important in the future. I think players that are too specific are going to be phased out and players that you can plug and play is going to be so much better. And, um, I think he's a good fit as well. I don't actually know, like, you know, you have some a player that is playing at Anderlecht. He's 21 years old. You know, Anderlecht, Belgium league is not that great. So when I see Tyler Adams, I know he's played at a higher level. So he'd probably be able to come in a little bit quicker. But, um, you know, you have to take into consideration if you are if you care about the injury record versus La who hasn't had really a big injury record. You know, you can you know, depends on what you really want. You know, there's pros and cons to every single player, but you could get either one of those as your rotational center midfielder for, you know, 15 to 20 million, 25 million. So that's good. Um, But what do you guys think about the differences between Tyler Adams and Lakonga? Tyler Adams is more of a Conte. La Conga is more of a Camavinga. You know, do we want somebody more well-rounded or do we want somebody that can play multiple positions? It just depends on, you know, what you guys think. But um, I like both players. And if either one of them come came in, I wouldn't be like upset about it. uh ak gunner says smith rowe best friend at leipzig was tyler adams that's so cute <laughs> I.O. says tyler adams is an exciting player i just think we need a right back that is in the 24 to 26 range ready to we'll talk about that in just a second again i don't think tyler adams is somebody that we should bring in as a a a right back i think that it's just nice to know that he can play in another position which is going to be important for us um gk says yeah just give me lakanga for 10 brandt and and these tyler adams nah lakanga wouldn't believe arsenal would develop him though um colin says what's the deal with the jules jones um i think that's his last name in our academy right back i do believe i'm not sure i'm not sure i haven't heard that name um says tyler is a good right back and can play multiple positions Um, and MK says we need somebody with flexibility, but we need to buy both DM and dedicated fullback. Exactly. So that is something we're definitely going to be talking about in just a second. So Tyler Adams for me for that backup center midfielder position, not the starting one. And he can also play right back, but we still need a dedicated right back as, as um, MK has already said. So that's, that's going to lead me into the next player that I wanna talk about. So somebody that we've been loosely linked to, but I think we need to be linked to a little bit more is Riddle Baku. So if you watch the under 21 championships they just played, they just won Germany for the under 21s. He was excellent for them. He's a really good right back. And I think he's definitely somebody that we should consider bringing in or be linked to or something. Like I can't understand if this this team is, or if this uh, recruitment team can't see him but they need to see him because he's a very, very good player. Um, I liken him to Saka when Saka plays left back. You know what I mean? Left wing backy type player. He's not necessarily a shut down defender, but he can do a job. But his real true superpower is being flexible and being able to go forward. He's more of a midfielder type right back. He can pass. He can shoot, score goals, get crosses in. He's like Saka on the right-hand side. And that's good for an Arteta system. We need people that can kind of fit in anywhere, but still have that technical ability and all those types of things. He's not too specific, not too specialized. We're looking at like even somebody like Aaron Wambasaka who's a shutdown right back, but even Manchester United is looking to replace him with somebody that can go forward because we all know that if you have really good, like CDMs and good center backs, you can use your fullbacks as additional attackers. So if they can't attack, they're not, they're not good enough. And so he's definitely somebody that I would look for. So Riddle Baku placed for Wolfsburg and um, he's 23 years old. So just like I was talking about, we need somebody in that like dedicated 24 to 25 years old. He just nicks it at 23 years old and German international at the under 21, you know, youth level, He's 97% in their starting 11, which means that he is available. He's somebody that is available, and that's always really important is somebody who's getting chosen and is available, right? If we're talking about somebody that, do they play or do they not? He plays, he starts, he does all those things. Sometimes he plays in midfield. Most of the time he plays right back. That is his designated position. And he, this past season he had six goals and eight assists. Six goals and eight assists. (laughs) Wouldn't you like to get six goals and eight assists from your right back? I mean, just think about how different our season would have been with just six extra goals. Like, you know what I mean? So the way that we play, I think it would be nice if there was somebody that complements Tierney really well. And even though Riddle Baku doesn't necessarily play like that really aggressive overlapping um, right back, he can do some attacking. And in different ways, he can be inverted, or he can overlap, or he can really just dive into the midfield. So, and we know tyranny can also sit, like, we don't have to have two flying fullbacks. They can just play off of each other. One's four, the other one stays, you know, those types of things. So I like this player. I like this player a lot. And because he can also play in midfield, this is somebody that, like, let's say something happens and we have emergency situation and we need somebody to play in midfield, he can play there. And that's important bring in tyler adams he can play cdm or right back riddle baku can play right back or midfield we have players that can be plug and played into different positions and we don't lose a beat because the quality of those players is very very good so it would take probably about 30 million to get this player in but for me if we're going to get rid of ballerin we need the right back we need to bring in the guy like we don't really need to be making any um this is your starting right back right so we need to know it's the guy we can't have somebody that you know after a month or so we're like okay just play chambers like we need to bring in this guy and I think he'd be a really good shout he's not the tallest I think he's like five eight five nine but I'm okay with that because what he adds going forward is worth it right so what you're giving up in defensive solidity or whatever you're gonna get that back with the offensive ability that he has my biggest issue with Bellerin was always that I don't care if you go forward that's not my issue I don't actually really care that much if our right backs and fullback or fullbacks can be proper defenders what I care about is that if you're going to go forward and leave us exposed that what we get in return is worth you leaving us exposed and it never was because Bellerin wasn't really good in the final third in terms of his final ball. But Riddle Baku is completely different than that. He's he's better. He's the guy. When you look at other t- players like Selic and Mizrawi, who I think are good, and if we brought them in, I wouldn't be like totally upset. It's not really a foregone conclusion that they're that much better than Bellerin. They can become, but it's not super obvious. This guy is better than Bellerin. You bring him in, he starts... He's your guy and you don't have to think about right back for the next, you know, five years, you know, he's a good complement to Tierney. Um, And he's not too young and he's not too old, you know? So I think Riddle Baku would be a very, very good addition in the right back position. And again, if we're going to be replacing starting positions, they need to be better than what we already have. Like, you know what I mean? So um, yeah. Okay. There's a super chat here from Jordan Shippers. Thank you so much for your super chat. And he says some of the best Arsenal commentary. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I try you guys, I try um, to give you guys the best possible commentary as possible. So I'm glad you guys are enjoying it. So let's see. Let's see, GK says, well, he's played as well wing back most of the season. I think his defending is shaky. Usopp says, I thought we fired the scouts early so that we're going to, that we are going to be let go anyway. Okay. What are we talking about? Robert says, Jess is doing Adu's job while he's holidaying. Sean says, Gabrielle Tierney Martinelli was good scouting. Um, yeah. You guys are just having like your own com- conversations, which is perfectly fine. But um, exactly. So for me, it's, it's Riddlebach who is the person that I would really want to bring in. Um, Strange love says he's not the best player in the world. But he has character and gives everything. He's at least a seven every game. So, yeah. Oh, Jack Copping says, get Brandt, Adams, Lakanga, and Baku. That's my number 10 central midfielder right back choices. All adaptable and can adjust to different setups. You see the trend is that I'm looking at players that are like Saka and that flexibility and that, you know, players that can do multiple things, play in different positions and you don't miss a beat. So that's kind of what I'm looking for. So that's why I went for Adams. I went for Julian Brent and I went for Rita Baku. The range of pricing for those players is about 20 to 30 million. So that should be feasible for Arsenal. I mean, we should be able to attract players in that age or in that price range. Right. So that's, that's what I have so far for them. Now, so people are asking about Andre Onana. That's something that looks like it's getting done. This morning, we got news that his in his cast hearing, his um, his suspension or whatever his you know his ban has been dropped to like nine months. So he'll be available to us in November, which is amazing, right? So he would be available for what like nine million or something like that. I mean, sign him up, get it done, do it quick. You know, I think this is a really smart move long term and short term because we don't actually know if Leno's leaving. We know that he's open to new opportunities and maybe he, I mean, he has two years left on his deal. And this is really when we should be identifying talent, you know, even before then, you know, when players, we shouldn't wait until they have a year left on their deal and they're about like, they're walking away and then we're in a bind trying to figure out what we're going to do about our starting goalkeeper. He has two years left on his deal. He doesn't seem 100% committed to us. So if he leaves this summer, we have somebody that's coming in in November. If he doesn't leave until the summer prior, we don't have to worry about recruiting that position anymore. So that's really important. Obviously, we still have to address the second goalkeeper, the number two, but that looks like we're still trying to get Maddie Ryan in. So I'm not really that worried about it. But 9 million or whatever for Onana is excellent business. It's, it's perfection. You know, it's what I think we should be doing. I like smart deals that other people aren't thinking about. And it's not like he's any slouch. And we're talking about a goalkeeper that has played, you know, in the IX system for a while. Also the Barcelona system, which means you got to be good with your feet. You know, goalkeepers are essentially just sweepers. They're your 12th guy that's just out there to, to start um, playing out of the back. And that's something that we've always looked at Leno and thought he's proficient or moderate at playing out of the back, but we need somebody that's better than that. We deserve better than that. So that's how he will improve us. He will improve us in terms of our ability to play out of the back. And from what I've seen, he's commanding, he's good at commanding his box better than Leno. Now. That's from his compilations. He could be similar to Leno. I, I haven't, maybe I should do that tonight is look at a, a full game of Ajax to see, because when you show their compilations, you're always going to show them coming very strongly out of their box. But one thing for sure that we know is his playing out of the back is really good. I think him and Leno might be very similar and shot stopping ability. I don't think either one is so much better than the other, but We need somebody who's good at shot stopping plus good at shot stopping plus commands his box plus is good playing out of the back. It's like a bare minimum to be a good shot stopper. You know what I mean? That's it, you know, but if he can play out of the back and he can help us, you know, play without all that shakiness because it's important. You could see the body language really changed when Emmy left and Leno came in when we were playing out of the back. That confidence and almost that borderline arrogance that we had when we played in the the FA Cup completely disappeared. And I think that's because everybody could kind of sense that there was a little bit of reluctancy from Leno. You could just kind of tell they were a lot more stiff, a lot less confident. And so hopefully he'll give us that. So for me, this is this is a good a good move for us. And I have nothing to complain about when it comes to Andre Onana. And we get to sing the song. We get to sing the song. Are you guys ready to sing the song? Are you guys? Oh, Nana, what's his name? Oh, Nana, what's his name? Just forget about context when it comes to the song. We're singing that. <laughs> so yeah. Let's see. <laughs> I-O, oh Onana, what's my band? Onana, oh, what's my band? <laughs> I'm crying. Um, Usopp, can we get both of who? Let me know. Strange Love says, I'm annoyed about not picking up Oats Edward. He's going to be a superstar. You know, I think I want to be upset about it, but I can't because I know we don't have room for a striker right now. Like, until you actually sell Lacazette or you sell Eddie and Kedia, both, we don't really have space. We have Balogun. So, I'm upset from the, the standpoint of the same thing as you is, I think he's going to be really good and he's going to be good for Lester. They do really good recruitment. So he will be probably good for them. But at the same time, I can't be upset about them bringing in somebody that I can't really see where he fits in with us at the moment, but I understand what you're saying. Let's see. Um, Colin says, Onana is quality at a bargain price. Exactly. Um, Zich says, if we get Onana, should we be looking for a number two that is homegrown? I mean, that's a really good point. Our number three can be homegrown, um, will most likely be, I don't think Renarson is a thing, you know, so maybe we should, depending on the homegrown numbers. Um, but that's a, that's a decent point. I don't, do you guys know any of any homegrown goalkeepers that we could bring in as a number two for cheap? (laughs) Kana says, Onana is better than all of our center backs with his feet. That's awesome. Colin says, Leno cannot catch the ball. Straight awful. I love Emmy Martinez. I'm so at- over Emmy, you guys. I mean, my whole thing is like, I don't want to be upset about it anymore. Like, you know what I mean? It's just, if we get Onana, I'll just forget about it, especially if he's good for us. But I just, I can't be upset about the, the Martinez thing anymore. But I do realize the difference between the two. Like, I, you know what I mean? Like, I can really just see it. The way that the defense looks playing out of the back with him versus Leno. Like, you know what I mean? You could really see that. It's so obvious. Dublin Gunnar says, from what I've seen, he's, he seems very confident playing out of the back, even in very tight situations, which is exactly what we need. Bowie, the cat says too many keeper punch the ball these days when they could catch it. You guys, I literally cannot stand when Leno punches the ball cause he doesn't even punch it like super hard. And I'm just like, can you freaking catch it? Can you catch it? You know, it's just so annoying. It's so annoying. <laughs> you guys, you guys don't wanna sing the Onana song? You guys don't wanna sing it? You guys, we gotta have fun. We have to have fun at some point. You know what I mean? Being an Arsenal fan is hard. It's hard work. We have to find joy where we can. And if that singing Onana, what's his name? That's what I'm going to (laughs) do. I'm not going to be miserable. (laughs) So um, let's see exactly. C says, so we sell Leno, get Onana who starts the first couple of months. Did we bring Ryan back yet? No, we haven't. And that needs to be addressed because if Leno does leave, and that's the thing, we will probably get a number two before we sell Leno or like we'll identify that person if it's not Ryan before we sell Leno, but just think about bringing in Ryan, if we can, for like almost free, bringing in Onana for like 9 million and then selling Leno for 25. Like do the math, like we're making money here or we're getting money back, but you know what I mean? Like that'd be so smart of us. You know, I'm not sure if Leno's leaving this summer because he's not linked with a move really, but if he does, they'll probably, you know, identify a number two and then make the deal happen. What will be kind of interesting, though, is if Leno stays and Onana is available in November, how that'll work. Because, you know, we'll be like, can we see him now? Can we see Onana tired of <laughs> Leno? I can already see fans being like, you know, in the stands. Oh, Nana. Like when Leno's in goal. Colin says, Onana oh, could be there getting a captain, deserving and serving the badge finally. Um, MK says Onana is the upgrade we need. <laughs> Io says, I don't think Bernarson is a thing. I mean, should I put that on a shirt or something? Like, <laughs> I don't think he's a thing. Like, do you guys remember him playing against Manchester City? Like, even in the Europa League, he was dodgy, but like in the Carabao Cup or the FA Cup, which no, I think it was the it was the Carabao Cup against Manchester City. Oh my gosh. Like his hands were like lettuce and whoever shot the ball and it just like went into the goal. What the heck? What is that? You know? So yeah, I don't think Renarsson is a thing. <laughs> um, Leno's not bad. Usopp. He's not, we should be able to get a good price for him. No, he's not. I expect us to get like 25 for him. I really do. MK says maybe Bundesliga interest. I suspect he probably want to go back to Germany or even like, um, like Cedia um, Ah, something like that, you know. But if he wants to go back to Germany, I'm not really sure what teams are looking for a goalkeeper. I thought maybe Dortmund, but they've already replaced very well, unsurprisingly. So we'll see. We will see what happens. Sean says, we paid 22 for Leno. You think his price has increased or not? No, I don't think so. I don't think it's increased. I don't um let's see Leno publicly pouting Leno will be publicly pouting yeah I mean that would be horrible um because you know how we are we're like so desperate to see a new signing I'm like that too I'm like can we see him and Onana's available and Leno's in goal (laughs) I can see us acting out I really, really can and Lori Laker said, "What is a what is a Renarson? Does it come with chips?" <laughs> Boy the cat says, Renarsen is a rabbit caught in the headlights." Akindale says, "Poor Renarson, he's making my salary in three weeks." Oh yeah, this is yeah, this is jokes. It's jokes. Yeah. And so somebody was like, "Have we covered the the Lester wanting it use Basuma and stuff like that? We can cover that too at the end because." Personally, those are players that I've always really wanted. <laughs> you know, Edward, I've always liked him. And Kuku, who they, they're interested in, is somebody that I've always rated. Sumare is somebody that I've always really liked. And then if they get Eve's Basuma, you guys, I'll be inconsolable. I will. I will be. All right. So... We, have still, we still have more to cover. We still have more to cover, you guys. This is going to be a longer one. So right-sided center back. So Arsenal are in for a right-sided center back, according to James um, McNicholas from Gunner Blog, as well as David Ornstein, who said that in January. And it's on one of like those Ornstein Says or whatever he does on the Athletic YouTube channel. But Ornstein said in January that if David Louise leaves, we'll be in for a right-sided center back, and Gunnar Blog said that today. You guys know this was always my fear. You know this was my fear, that being linked with right-sided center backs so often, we were linked with like Kanate, we've been linked with so many John Stones at the beginning when Arteta first got here, That and Saliba has been here since Arteta has been in charge. I am not 100% sure that Saliba is going to be playing next season. I'm not sure he's going to be... You know, I, I, do, I know for sure I could put money on the fact that he won't start for Arsenal. Now, whether or not he'll be in the squad or not, that is looking inconclusive as well. Because, look, if Arteta is interested in bringing in a right side, a center back and all the center backs that we've been linked to. Um, ben White, tepsoba Soba, Jules Koundé are all young. You know, that's immediately blocking his path because we don't. Like, unless we're going to switch from a back three to a back four all the time, if you bring in somebody who's like 23 years old, then we're basically saying that that's going to be our starting center back. When is Saliba supposed to play? So, you know, and can you really see Arteta playing Gabriel and Saliba together? Even though as fans we can see it, I don't think he sees that as a real true option. So I'm worried. I am. I'm worried. So we're linked with right sided center backs. It looks like we're looking for one, and the ones that we're linked with are expensive. They're expensive. Like, where are we getting this fifty million from? Tapsoba would cost fifty million. Juice Kunde would cost would cost at least fifty million, and so would Ben White. You know. So, <sighs> what of Saliba? What of Saliba? you know it's just it's looking bleak it it really really is so you guys let me know in the chat box what you're thinking about it but i haven't really what i haven't really thought about the right side of center back like very deeply in terms of like who i would think would fit in well with arsenal because i've always said it's either going to be holding or Saliba because i didn't understand why right side of center back was a priority when we need to improve the midfield. And because I feel like we have limited resources, I'm thinking the best bang for our buck is to go in the midfield because that's where you lose and win the game and to just forget about the right side of center back. But it looks like we're really in for one and that's worrying. (laughs) It's worrying, you know, um, Saliba is like a star in the making. It's just so it's, he's somebody that we've been so excited about, you know, for so long and, I don't know. I don't know what's gonna happen. I really, really don't. He needs. We need to see him in an Arsenal jersey, at least an Arsenal uniform, and we need to see him play before. Like, could you imagine if we never see Saliba actually play in the Premier League or in a competitive match for Arsenal Football Club? We never see it. But that's so up Arteta's alley. Like, I think it's almost like because we want him so badly, he's holding him from us more. And I don't know why I'm getting that feeling. You guys, I don't love holding. I'm just saying because I know that I feel like we're not going to be able to address every single position. I could see holding starting next season, even if we don't want. You know what I mean? Banky says, what do you think about Arsenal going for a strong defender with leadership skills like Connor Cody? I think Connor Cody is a louder, more shoutier version of Rob Holding. I don't think he's that good. You know, I really, really don't. I don't. MK says Arteta doesn't trust youth. It seems he prefers experience, even if they're not probably as good. This is true. This is true. It's, it's a pattern with him that he, we always like, why don't you just play the best players? You know what I mean? But he usually chooses the ones that are a little bit more experienced, you know, that kind of thing. And it usually bites him in the butt. You know, you've been more successful when you brought in youth, youth has saved your life. Like, you know what I mean? So I'm not saying that, It would be like the best possible thing to start Saliba. Like, you know that you're going to lose a certain amount of points if you play Saliba, um, start him in the Premier League. But the reality is, is that we're talking about resource management again. We're talking about value destruction. And, you know, it's either he stays and he sits on our bench which would destroy his value or because we we only have really like the Premier League and some, some cup games. That's not good enough for Saliba. So then he goes out on loan. And I fear if he goes out on loan, we're never going to get him back. He's been an Arsenal player for three or he'll be at the end of next season. He will have been an Arsenal player for three years for three years. Like, you know what I mean? You don't, you're not, he's not some like little scrub, like, you know what I mean? So I think, we, he, if he doesn't play for Arsenal Football Club next season, he's gone. If he's not, if he doesn't get a solidified answer of I'm going to play games, he'll be gone. Because he doesn't actually have to be here. Like, he could start somewhere else right now. He could go to Leicester right now and start. Facts. Like, you know what I mean? So he doesn't have to be here. And he may want to play for Arsenal. But I think he wants to... Like he wants to be play for Arsenal, but not so bad that he doesn't want to, like he would stay at Arsenal and not play, you know? AK Gunner says Saliba can play from the back and ping the ball. Like Louise, he fits the profile is Arteta against him because of experience. I think it's a combination of experience. And what I would say is that what I've seen from Saliba from watching him, I think that he's okay with his distribution and long passing, but not as good as David Louise. And maybe not as not as good as maybe Arteta really wants. And Saliba's Saliba's really big skill. Like his, what he's really known for is dribbling out of the back. And I don't know if that's what Arteta really wants. And he always is talking about specificity. And I'm, I don't know if he's like, I'm so I'm unwilling to use this resource because it's not perfect. It's not exactly what I want. And, um, it's so funny. He's willing to work with some things, but he's not willing to work with others. Young players with rough edges is not really something that he seems to be very good at working with. We're not going to go through the value destruction thing again. You guys know how I feel about it, but I think Arteta should try to work with Saliba instead of just being like, he's not exactly what I want. And he's also doesn't have the attitude that I really like. So instead of working with him arm around the shoulder, trying to integrate him in, make him feel good. I'm going to shut him out, you know, So Colin says Saliba should get a chance, but I have not, I have not a shed of faith in this coach. I don't either. You guys, I would say if I had to say like on a scale of one to 10, how confident am I that Saliba will play for Arsenal next season? I would say five, 50, 50. You know, I just think that there's something about, I just, I don't know. Something, something's not right. Sean says most young coaches in the game rely on experience. And I understand that too, you know, but um, the types of of center backs that we're being linked with aren't necessarily super experienced either. You know what I mean? So, I mean, they're a little bit more experienced than Saliba, but Saliba has been playing first team football for like three years now. So if you add, you know, if you, is that really so much than Jules Koundé? Is that really so much? Than like Tapsoba, I'm not really sure. So if we were linked with really experienced, like if we were linked with Kula Bali, I could understand that because that's instantly, okay, we're looking for experience. But when you're telling me that we're linked with Ben White, we're linked with um, Jules Koundé and Tapsoba, it looks like different profile to me. It doesn't look like experience because two years older than Saliba and nothing when the job experience, the work experience is probably pretty similar because Saliba has been playing first team football for a while. You know, Oh, this is an interesting thing that I've thought about before, Jordan. Nelson at right wing back, I think would bang. I really, really do. Usopp says, I think Cody only works in a back three. This is also true. We saw that when Wolves moved to a back four, they really struggled. And I think he does suit a back three and we play in a back four right now. So I still don't think I think he's just a shoutier version of Rob Holding, to be honest. MK says in a much more competitive league one MK says league one is where everybody's scouting now for a reason. Exactly. Um, yeah, it's just, there's something weird about it. So even though I don't have like a real sensible signing or somebody that I can give you guys as somebody that I I would like to see play right side of center back, because up to this time, I've been very consistent in saying that I think it'll either be Saliba or holding. Um, I just wanted to kind of touch on it a little bit and, just share my anxiety with you guys. (laughs) So um, yeah. And then last but not least, what I want to kind of talk about is the Neves versus Ruben, the Ruben Neves versus Yves Basuma situation. So what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to accept that I feel like Neves is the main target and Basuma is a secondary target if we don't get Neves or we're not able to get Wolves to come down on their price, which is a little bit disappointing. Because when you look at the profiles of the two players, you can clearly see that one would be better suited for a more expansive style, a more um, evolved midfield that would give us a little bit more dynamism. And the other one would upgrade you, but keep you relatively the same. So we're talking about a better version of Jaka, but is that really what you want? Or do you want to evolve into a different type of midfield that's really, really difficult to beat? So... You know, um, I'm trying to accept that and to understand what Ruben Neves can bring to the table because something is is telling me that this is not as far-fetched as maybe we want to believe. Um, it's staying around too too, too often. Like it's, I wouldn't be surprised as the minute that the money hits the account for Xhaka that we put in a bid for Ruben Neves. You know what I mean? Because I think we think we can like whittle wolves down whereas you're not going to be able to whittle Basuma down or or Brighton down whatever the price is is whatever the price is but with Wolves because they need to sell to get money for this new manager I think maybe the club believes that they can whittle them down to a different price because they're pretty much the fees are pretty much the same as stated by the clubs but you're not going to get Basuma for a cut price deal because he's so in demand whereas Ruben Neves is less in demand and Wolves need money you know, so maybe it just has to do with that. And so after I've watched Neves for a while and stuff, I think my initial reaction to him was mostly just based on the fact that his name is not Basuma. So I may have overstepped and said that he's not an upgrade from Jacka when he really, really actually is. He's better than Granite Jacka. He is my issue is just, I don't think he evolves us. I don't think he makes us different, but he will make us better. You know what I mean? So him accepting it. What his pro- the pros to Ruben Neves are that what he has is long range passing at a very high level. So he has good range of passing. He can pass short and then he can pass long. And one thing that he does do is he plays on the right side. So Thomas in a pivot can play on the left or the right side because he can use both feet. You know, we're not used to that at Arsenal where our players care are both footed. Thomas can use both feet so he can play on the left or the right. Ruben Neves usually plays on the right-hand side. And what that means is that he's very good at switching the ball to the left wing back. And so our left wing back is essentially Tierney. And that's very, very powerful for Arsenal because when we're able to switch the point of attack and get numbers on that left-hand side with our Tierneys, our Aubameyangs, our, you know, Emile Smith-Rose, we're really, really dangerous. And we don't really have that without David Louise. Jacka really wasn't that for us because he played on the left and we don't really switch the point of attack to the right-hand side with numbers. We do it on the right-hand side and we did it with David Louise And when we lost that, that was, that was bad, you know, so if you're able to add a Ruben Neves in there, he has that in his arsenal. And I know that some people are like, well, he does a lot of sideways passing and stuff. Well, guess what? Your CDM usually does that. Your CDM does a lot of sideways and backwards passing, just like Elneny. That's, that's usually what they do. Conte does a lot of it. He does some progressive passing as well. But when you, when you win the ball, you just want to be able to keep possession. And a lot of times that's not with like a long range pass. It's like a short pass really quick to the next guy. Um, You know, even Basuma is like that, too, where he wins the ball and he passes it really, really quickly, you know, just to the next person. His first pass isn't always like a line breaking pass. Right. So it's not really that big of a deal to me that Ruben Neves, when we watched him play against um, Israel, that he wasn't doing a lot of line breaking passes and all that kind of stuff. But when he does get the ball and he does try to progress it forward, he will do that switch of attack. And he does have very high numbers of passes into the final third that usually end up being goal threats. So the ball that he usually does is the pass before the pass for the goal. And so that's important too, right? Because Jaka was big for, for us in that. So he would replace that, but give us that pass from the right-hand side to the left, to our tyrannies, to our Emile Smith-Rose, to our bombings, which is important for our attack. So he adds that. He also has really high defensive numbers, um, which is important. Um, if you're going to play in our midfield, you need to be able to de- defend so that we can um, be able to switch the point of attack quickly. What he He's also really good at um, quick transitions. So we've noticed that our transitions are really slow without Thomas Party. He's quicker in transition than, than Jacka. So we can win the ball because he's good at winning the ball and quick turn and attack. So that's good. Um, so, yeah, he may not be like, What we really want, because I'm not going to lie to you and say that he can cover big patches of grass. He can't, he wouldn't allow us to really throw as many resources forward. But what he would do is allow us to control the midfield. And if Arteta is trying to play a possession based game, he would be a good person to have in that. But it just is what it is. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he's not going to change us, you know? And I was kind of hoping that we'd go for more of that like destroyer type midfield of three dogs in the middle that win the ball and just give it to tyranny, give it to the right back and just go forward. But it looks like we're going to be possession based. And that's why at the moment I can see us being a four, two, three, one. That's what I really think. I don't think we're in the position right now to be a four, three, three team. I can't see at the beginning of the season of starting off with that, unless we get a, another type of midfield, midfield profile. But if you look at Ruben Neves with thomas party that's that's a pivot that's not a that's not a midfield three combination with anybody else you know so i'm thinking more four two three one just based on that see what you guys are saying so mk says still think 15 million is too low for jacka he's a swiss captain with a solid epl experience i mean I've asked this question before. Do you guys think that the price of a player or the fee should be changed based on experience and or um, being a captain of a national team? You guys let me know. Personally, I think if somebody were to say like, hey, I need you to pay $5 million more for, for Odegaard because he's the captain of the Norway team, we would tell him to shove it. But of course, with our players, we want more. Um, I think the market is dictating the price for Jacka and his transfer market value is only 22 million. So getting 15 to 20 plus add-ons are like 15 with going up to 20 with add-ons is not great, but it's not surprising to me based on the market and Serie A being skint. Roma is skint. So it's kind of like is what it is, but in a more healthy market, I think we could ask for more, but because he wants to leave and it's kind of time to move on, we kind of got to take what we can get. Yeah. I don't see anybody else coming in for Jaka. <laughs> MK says Arsenal should demand at least 20 in, in this market for Jaka. GK said, said Jaka made a few line-breaking passes this season that put through Tyranny and Abba. Exactly. But what I'm saying is that's not switching the point of attack. Jaka passing to Tyranny is not switching the, the point of attack because he's on the left-hand side, and so is Tierney and Aubameyang. So that's the line-breaking pass. What I'm talking about is the pass that David Luiz used to do to Tierney all the way on that left-hand side or Aubameyang on that left-hand side. That's different. You know, that's hard to – that gives us a different outlet and makes us more dynamic when maybe the midfield is crowded and stuff like that. So I think although he does do those – it's different than the switch ball from the right-hand side all the way to the left. Dublin Gunnar says his big switch is impressive. I can see Pepe running onto those. And that thought makes me happy. Exactly. Usopp says Neves is much better defensively as Jacques, than Jaka. That is very true. C. Walder says, I think Neves is slightly better defensively than Jaka. He is. Noel says Neves makes sense to plug Xhaka like for like. I agree, Jez. Basuma offers us something different, and party can do, already does most of what Xhaka does anyway, diversify the midfield. And so what does that mean for Thomas? That means Thomas is going to be hand-holding and and kind of playing as he played with Xhaka, which was effective, but not as effective as it could be if we had a shutdown CDM behind him that could cover space. So... Yeah, I mean, he's a good partner for party because I thought Xhaka was a decent party for him. So if you have a better version of Xhaka, it's going to work. It complements, but I want Basuma and I do. Let's see. Oh, and also in terms of price for Ruben Neves, so that's what's um, kind of like, okay, you know, 30 million and nothing more. You know, I know they want 35, but like, let's be real. I think 30 million and lower would be okay for Ruben Neves. I think that's what you would expect to pay for somebody who's going to start in your midfield, which he would. So that's fine with me. So with kind of what we've already spoken about with Neves, Onana, Baku, Adams, and Brandt, that would cost you about 105 million, but we still haven't really addressed the backup left back, which I haven't heard much about as well as the backup goalkeeper. But really, I think with those five players that really improves you. And I'll show you before we kind of do some Q and A, what that um, would look like in formation form. That's what you want to call it. So let's do this. Yeah. So I'll show you kind of like two-ish versions. So let me make sure that you guys can see this. Um, yes, you can. Okay. So really, this is kind of what I came up with. So obviously, this doesn't this doesn't show Adams, but I'll show you Adams in, in this um, because I, I think he would be more of a rotational figure in our midfield. So essentially... What I was saying is, and I have holding here, I know that this is kind of like inconclusive because we're in for a a right-sided center back, but this is what I would be looking at. I think this team has good balance. Baku is here, Onana, Tierney, Gabrielle, and whatever right-sided center back. Neves on this right side, Thomas on the left of a pivot. And what I was talking about is Neves is really good with being here and being able to switch the ball over here. And this is dangerous. Like this is dangerous when you have your bombings and your Pepe's running into this half space and running at speed. You know, when you switch the point of attack here, that's really good. And we don't have that because we have Rob holding here. And even to a certain extent, Saliba doesn't do that ball very often because for for Nice, he's been playing where Gabrielle plays. He's been playing on the left-hand side. So he doesn't even really do these these cross-field balls over here to where we actually attack from. He would actually be passing the ball over here to where Sokka is. So Neves, that's his superpower. That's what he's good at is those long switches. And then, of course, he comes here, and then he's, like I said, the balls in between this area right here. He's the pass before the pass. So he would be passing that to Sokka. Sokka would come here. Do a cutback to a bombing, boom. So that's what he does. Again, more or less pretty similar to Jaka, but he has some more skill to him. He's he's better technically, and um, although he's not fast, he is more mobile than Jaka. There's a difference between speed and mobility. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of what I came up with with that. You guys can let me know how you feel about about that in a four, two, three, one Brent is here as well. So also this could end up being, so you guys are probably like "Where's Smith Rowe, Smith Rowe, Smith Row, Smith Rowe, you could easily do this and you have a more technical three in behind the striker. And to me, you can't tell me that that's not better than what we have now um, that that would improve us. And of course you basically how we play, you'd have Smith Rowe here, Brandt here, Thomas and Neves here, Baku here, Tierney up here. So you'd have your two, three, five with a bombing up here, your five lanes of attack here and these guys covering for you in there. So it looks good. It seems like it would work You have your two tens, which is how we play. We don't play with actual wingers and Saka and tyranny are your cutback Kings into a bombing your brands, your Smith Rose. And hopefully somebody like a Neves in here would be able to make lake runs or Thomas into the box. If, if we can do that. So that's what I see for that. So you guys can let me know what you think about that first. Um, And then. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's very true. The media lives for Arsenal fans. Social media meltdown. meltdown. Usopp says play 4 through 3 with Basuma at the base and Thomas Party and Neves in front. To be honest, I'm not sure that I see Ruben Neves, Basuma, Thomas Party as a reality based on like just what I've seen. And then in terms of a a three, I don't think the balance is right. But I also made another one. If I can share my screen again with you guys. Just give me one second. Oh nope, that's the same one I just showed you guys, sorry. Share. it just keeps showing the same thing. I don't know why <laughs> I can't, I can't get it. So, but I'll just type it in for you guys so you could see. So yeah, Baku here, Tierney there. So then also you can play, let's see like this. Right. Cause we all want to see some sort of four, three, three with Thomas here. Um, Neva's here and, um, um, Adam's here. So if you want to see them in a three, this would work as well. It's still not the balance that I think you need for four, three, three, to be honest. Like, I know we really want to see it. And this is my same thing with the Basuma. Like if this was not Adams, this was Basuma that it, the balance is not there. It's too conservative and it's too, when you look at the midfielders that usually play in a 433 they're a little bit more well-rounded. You always have somebody that's sitting a little bit deeper, but I just feel like this is off, you know? So this would need to be like in a war or somebody like that. It couldn't be this. It's just not, it's not well-rounded enough for me, but you could play like that as well in a 4 if, 3 if you wanted to. But um, or this could be like um, like a Mill Smith row or something like that, you know. So there's a difference there. I don't know. That's kind of what I thought about. So, yep. So again, Baku, Adams, Neves, Onana, and Brandt. Those would be my sensibleish signings. Who I would get, and I like it. You know, I like it. I know you guys don't like it, but I do. Zick <laughs> um, says, do I think that team gets this top four? Um, mm, I think it can get in the top four, but it just, you know, we thought our, our team last season was better than what it was. You know, it depends on how they perform, but I think just looking at the team, to be honest, it, it could, you know, um, if a bombing's on form, If Brant comes in and hits the ground running, you know, Neves and Thomas do well. I think Baku really improves you. I think he really improves you. So maybe. Let's see. Um, Dublin Gunnar says, if we get Baku, can we put in an obligation to change his name into the contract? I think we're all just going to call him Riddle, aren't we? (laughs) MK says, good sensible targets. Thank you. I try to be as realistic as possible. Zik says says Baku is off the list because of 2019 memories. Let's just call call him Riddle. Um, MK says, I think top six but definitely need top four. My thing about top four is that what could we do with the resources that we have available to us from Kronki and what we're going to sell that's going to get us the quality of player that's going to elevate us to hop over Liverpool, hop over Leicester, hop over Aston Villa, hop over West Ham, Everton, Spurs, and one of the teams that's already in the top four, like, you know, to get there. I think that's very, very, very unlikely, not based on, like, based on our resources, you know. So if we had different owners that would invest and would help us bring in, you know, higher quality players that instantly put you in that category – then, yeah, you know, I think we could do it. We could get into top four. But I think we're really looking at just trying to make sure that we're in Europe next season, like that we qualify for Europe through the league, no matter what. And I think fifth place through six is very doable. Top four is going to be d- difficult. It is. Man City and Chelsea are going to buy their way into those positions. Then you have Manchester United, who's going to improve. That was already pretty good to begin with. And then Liverpool who will be good next season. How do we jump over them? How like, you know what I mean? So for me, I'm like, okay, sensible signings and hoping like crap that Arteta can coach this team up. And one thing that we have to take in consideration that at the beginning of the season will be one of the only, one of the only teams in the top that want to be top six, top seven, top eight that won't have damn near half their team in the Euros. Almost all of Man City is going to be in the Euros. Almost all of Manchester United will as well. Liverpool is going to have some players out and Chelsea is going to have players out for the Euros. That means that they're going to be slow coming back in. So at the beginning of the season, remember how it was really slow and people were like, even like Aston Villa, West Ham were getting all these points, even Everton. That's really the only reason why they were so good in the beginning is because they got a lot of points from the beginning and we started off slow. We started off horrendously. So if we could take advantage of the fact that there's going to be teams that are struggling to get their players back in because of the Euros, then we can maybe make up some ground that we really wouldn't have the same opportunity to. That's why I'm really looking. Cause that went on Wednesday, the schedule comes out. And I think it's going to be really important to see who we get at the very beginning and who we're going to play over January, because over January we'll, we won't have Thomas. We won't have Aubameyang or Pepe. We also won't have um, El Nenny, but he's not like that big of a deal. So, you know, over January is going to be important because we'll have key players out. But in the beginning of the season, I'd actually prefer if we played some of the more difficult teams in the beginning when their players are not ready and ours should be because they're not doing anything right now to get those points that we wouldn't usually get and then start playing less hard teams as we get into the middle of the season. But that's just me. Is, is Leno off to Lil? Is this real? Seawalks, are you pulling my chain? What's going on? Sean says too many players passing on responsibility to others then assume the role of a leader. Yeah. We don't have a lot of leaders in our team. Um, MK says, Yeah, I would love that. When does the cal- calendar release this year? On Wednesday. So, this Wednesday, the schedule will come out. And I'm telling you guys, we have a really good position if we play some of the, the harder teams in the beginning and we can get a good preseason and be more prepared than them when the season starts because those teams are going to start out slow because almost half their team is going to be in the Euros and it's going to take them about a, a, a month to get going. And because we don't have an excuse. Jack is not a part of our team anymore. Leno probably won't be a part of our team either. You know, so it's kind of like, who do you have? Saka and there's somebody else in the Euros too, right? Who else is it? I'm forgetting. It's one other person that's at the Euros for Arsenal. Then you have Martinelli and um, Gabrielle that um, will be in the Olympics. And that's it. And that's it, you know so we should be able to start quickly. Um, unless our signings are all European, then we're in trouble, which most of mine are. <laughs> so um, yeah, but I think we should be able to start quickly. SeaWk says, yeah, they keep a keeper champs football agent and talks with them. Um, oh, Tierney, Tierney's the other one. So yeah, the backup left back is going to be really important as well. Um, We're going to play more games in the the preseason in Florida, I think. All right, you guys, we're at about an hour and a half. Um, Was I going to do something else? Oh, yeah. Somebody asked me a question, and I wanted to make sure I got it done. They asked, initially, I thought it was best to sell the likes of Willick and Maitland-Niles, but given the fact a lot of our targets seem to be eligible for AFCON, should we keep both to provide squad depth rather than cashing in? No. Um, with Willick and Maitland Niles, Willick, maybe Maitland Niles, so, because Maitland Niles doesn't want to be at Arsenal. I think his recent comments say as much. He doesn't want to play fullback and he'll, he won't play midfield for Arsenal. I think when you push for something and Arteta feels like that's not what you're supposed to be doing, he doesn't, like, he won't even just give you a, a nugget. Like, <laughs> To, to satisfy you it's like I'll play you in the midfield maybe if we're playing in a in a friendly or something like that you know what I mean so I think Maitland Niles has to go this summer and we'll like if you keep him just make sure you sell other players because he's a really good he would be a very good um player to sell right now because his value is high and it may never be high enough or higher than that now so all right you guys that's gonna be it this was fun I enjoyed myself again, as usual. So tomorrow, um, I know I'll be doing a stream with Albert for the Euros, um, the Euros start tomorrow. So I think it's gonna be a a pre-game thing. So I'll be on Albert's channel. So the schedule may be a little bit different tomorrow, but I'll keep you guys updated early so you guys know when I'm gonna be live. Um, Like the video, subscribe to the channel, share with a friend. I'm really close to 1500 subscribers and I'd really love to get there as soon as possible. Um, let me know in the comment section if you guys enjoyed the conversation or if we didn't touch on something that you really want to talk about put it in the comment section after the video and um, I will go back in there and talk to you about it there You guys know you can always find me on Twitter at it's Just Senio, and I'll see you guys later. Bye guys oh.